Hello, and welcome to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast, a resilience podcast where we talk about all the challenging things that we're working to overcome, like anxiety, obesity, health, and relationship issues. My name is Sarah. So this week on the podcast, I wanted to do a bit of a combination of sort of an update on where some of my thinking is Um, on our personal journey with pandas and pans. And then secondly, I thought I would read a few chapters from the beginning of my book, Pendulum by Essie German, that focuses on a young boy struggling with pandas and pans and wanted to share that. So in terms of an update on our journey, I've really been struggling this past week or so doing a lot of learning Um, about different healing techniques that are out there. So I had the opportunity to speak with Dr. Jennifer Barr, who is a naturopathic doctor in the U.S., in California, and she's using homeopathic remedies for pandas and pans, and I found that to be a very interesting conversation, and I'm going to be sharing that next week on the podcast. Um... So I did a lot of learning there, understanding those remedies and what what the goal is with that type of treatment. And then I also was listening to the Ultimate Health podcast this week, which is hosted by Jesse Chappis, and they did an episode on how to fix your brain with Dr. Tom O'Brien, and he was talking a lot about um, different techniques that can help uh, both looking at environmental toxins and then also looking at your diet and then uh, focusing as well on leaky gut. And there was some really great take-home advice on making changes for leaky gut as well as a lot of changes that you can do at home that are that are within your control. And then I also participated this week in the Get Unstuck Parenting Summit that was put on by Dr. Roseanne Kapanahodge, who I interviewed on this podcast on episode 59, we did Treating Pandas, Pans, and Lime with Dr. Roseanne Kapanahodge. And so she's put together this whole summit. It's two days plus of material focused a lot on pans and pandas, but also focusing, she does a lot of work on Lyme, and then kind of a more general parenting focus, and then speaking about anxiety, OCD, everything you can imagine. And so there was a ton to take in there. I listened to her conversation with Gabriella True, who is, um, I believe, the executive director for Aspire in the U.S. and talked a lot about their journey with um, Panda's Pans. And then also listening to Dr. Tom Moorcroft and some of his advice about um, putting together a flare support kit and as well as some of the methods that he uses to treat Panda's and Pans. And then also Dr. Elisa Song, who talked about supplements that were crucial um, for children. And then 
if you were upgrading to the VIP, you could then get supplements that were important for specific diseases and disorders as well. And then, of course, um, Dr. Roseanne Kapanahodge also talked about OCD and anxiety and did some really good information there as well. And so there's there's just been a lot this week. And I got to say, my mind is totally reeling. I have been really unsure for a while now, I would say, about what our next step is in terms of healing my son's panda's condition. I am, of course, so grateful for some of the treatments that we've received so far. I would say my son is in a good place, but I know in my gut that the healing is not done there. And I know that there is a next step for us. And I guess part of this Panda's Pan's journey is that it is very difficult to know what's next. Um, You know, we're looking at, is it seeking another doctor? You know, do I go back for another referral? Um, Do we go down the route of trying out neurofeedback? Is there also uh, some more that we could be doing through homeopathy? Um, Another option that I've been looking at is whether or not we should be considering seeking treatment with one of these doctors that um, we've been hearing from in the U.S. Um, And then we know that some of what we're doing right now has been working. And so do you continue that? Um, We also recently did a mold test and I'm waiting on the results there. And so... I would say this is part of the real struggle as a parent is that when you are working through pandas and pans, you're always not sure of the next step because it's often difficult to get sort of that overarching advocate or provider that's really helping you to know what to do next. And then I really believe that all of the treatments that I just talked about are probably great. You know, they're coming from well-intentioned and educated and knowledgeable practitioners, but I don't know what is the next right step for my child's specific uh, case. And so I think that's one of the big challenges is just, you know, where are you at? And then sometimes you feel like, should I just be starting all over again? Um, Because you just want that best for your child. And, you know, for my son, my goal is always his optimal health. And I really feel like when we get there, we will know it. Um, And in this case, you know, my goal is to get to the point where flares are virtually non-existent. It really is. And so I'm kind of looking at what options can get us closer and closer to that. And you know, I just, I felt myself really spinning on this conversation and I thought there are probably so many other parents that are in a similar boat, that they're kind of not sure about the next step and you know that you're maybe getting some success or you're maybe getting somewhere and you're just really not sure what to to do next and I guess I just wanted to say I hear you and to share that um, you know we are in a very similar situation and it is challenging it's hard to know you know as mom dad you want to do the best for your child and 
I don't think that the answer is really clear. So, you know, I'm going to think about it a little bit more um, and, and look at my options and, you know, maybe I will get some kind of clarity. But just wanted to share that this is a really real part of parenting through this disorder. And I think that came out a lot in the Get Unstuck Parenting Summit is sort of that, you know, parents do need support because you're trying to do the best that you can, but it can be really difficult to know what that best thing for your child is. And it costs a lot of money in some cases, and it takes a lot of time. And I think as a parent, you also have to weigh the fact that okay, it's another course of treatment and is your child ready for that? Are you ready for that? Are you able to, you know, kind of get hyped up and invested in another treatment? Because even if it's something like a diet change, like that takes a significant amount of effort. So looking at um, what Dr. Tom was suggesting on the Ultimate Health podcast, you know, how to heal a leaky gut. He had a number of diet changes. So even that, like it seems relatively small and non-invasive, but it is a certain amount of effort that everybody would have to take within really the whole family in order to make that happen. So just wanted to share some of those most recent learnings that I had and where my mind is at in terms of next steps. I certainly never want anyone to think that, um, you know, just because I'm speaking on a podcast or, um, you know, interviewing people that I have it all figured out because I certainly as a panda's parent do not and are just, you know, trying to wade through the information and do my best. This week on the podcast, I also wanted to share chapter one of the audio version of my new book, Pendulum by S.E. German. Pendulum is a heartwarming story about a middle grade boy struggling with mental health issues following an infection. The novel follows a young boy from Ontario, Canada named Ben. In his early years, Ben loved to run around, be silly, play Star Wars, and any superhero game. And then just after his sixth birthday, he develops aggressive facial tics. His personality and behavior change from happy, funny, energetic, and silly to anxious, obsessive, emotional, angry, and depressed. After visiting over 20 doctors and getting seven misdiagnoses and his mental health declining further, Ben is finally diagnosed with a little-known and understood disorder without a cure called PANDAS, Pediatric Autoimmune Neuropsychiatric Disorder Associated with Streptococcal Infections. At eight years old, Ben and his family move to a new city to start a new life. He gains confidence, navigates his first crush, and plays competitive sports. He encounters challenges in a new school, coping with his mental health, and understanding and accepting himself. In the book, Ben shares how he handles all the trials of being a middle grader with pandas and his unique outlook on the disorder in life. My goal with this book is to help contribute to and start normalizing much-needed conversations on mental health within families and communities. My intent is to help middle graders build resilience, accept themselves, and respect diversity. Pendulum is available on Amazon Worldwide through the Friesen Press Bookstore, as well as Barnes & Noble and many other online retailers. 
I hope that you enjoy the sneak peek at Pendulum and this first chapter and that you will share it with others. Pendulum by S.E. German. Chapter 1. A lot of people think panda bears are cute. Kids dress as panda bears for Halloween. They have panda bear stuffies on their beds and even wear panda necklaces and clothes. Families go to see them at the zoo. Tons of people watch online videos of them eating bamboo and spending time with their babies. People love how cute they are. Some people even imagine hugging a big, soft panda bear. But not me. When I think about panda bears, I get all mad inside. My arms and chest get tense like a warrior's. I hate pandas. I know if I ever meet a panda, I'll punch that bear straight in the nose. I guess it's because when I think of the disorder that I have, pandas, I can't help but picture a panda bear in my mind. Since I knew that panda bears existed before I knew about the disorder, I guess I link my suffering with the bear. My mom calls it deflection or association or something like that. I first started hearing my mom talk to doctors about pandas when I was in grade one. Really, I had no idea what they were talking about because I was so young. And when my parents and doctors tried to explain the disorder to me, I would mostly just zone out and think about that bear and how it was causing me all kinds of problems. Some people with pandas use the panda bear as a symbol of the disorder. It's supposed to show unity or something like that, but not me. I don't want to wear a t-shirt or a bracelet with a panda bear on it. I don't want to tell the world, hey, my name is Ben and I have a disorder that sounds like a cute bear. And I don't want to wear that bear to raise awareness for the disorder either. Why should I? What has this disorder ever done for me? Pandas has only caused me problems like facial movements, tics I can't control, anger, worry, and sadness. Okay, I know what you're thinking. This kid is crazy. Well, I don't really like the word crazy, but I do have some legitimate issues. But don't worry, I'm mostly normal. I love other animals and I would never really hurt one. This whole panda bear thing is just a blip. When I get worked up, I sometimes get angry and irrational. So forgive me about the bears. Getting emotional is part of pandas. When I get upset, I usually need to do my breathing or take a break from whatever is getting me all worked up. Back to animals. I love cats the most. When I was a baby, my parents had two tabby cats. They both died when I was nine months old. I cry about them sometimes and miss them, especially at night. My parents say there's no way that I could remember them, let alone miss them, but I do. I sometimes snuggle my stuffed cat when I get sad about them. Sometimes the thoughts of the dead cats will hit me hard, like when someone talks about a sick animal or human really anything with death. Sometimes I even cry about the dead cats while I'm at school and no one understands why I'm crying. I guess because they don't see the sadness inside my head. In grade three, I got a red betta fish named Fire for my birthday. He was an awesome pet fish that would follow my hand when I put it on the tank and he liked to play dead 
by lying upside down for a long time before getting a burst of energy and swimming again. Eventually, after we moved houses, he died. Sometimes, if I think about the dead cats, I also think about my dead fish, and then I cry or at least get really quiet and sad. When fire died, I was super upset. To cheer me up, my mom painted a rock with a red fish on it and the name fire written underneath the fish as a memorial. I keep it in my bedroom where his fish tank was. She thought it would give me a positive way to remember him. One day during school, at the start of grade four, we were all supposed to paint rocks with fish on them to make a display at the front of the school. The point was to have a huge school of fish swimming together in one big sea and show that we were all individuals working together or something like that. Well, I tried to paint my fish rock, but it made me think of the rock for fire and then a fire dying and then the cats dying. I got sad about all the dying and started to cry. After I took a break in the hall for a bit, I was able to calm down and paint the rock. That was a tough day. I told my mom about it later at home, and she felt bad. Oh, Ben, I knew about the rock painting. I should have thought ahead that it might bother you. I could have warned the school. He shouldn't be crying at school, my dad said. He needs to get over the fish thing. That thing died months ago. Leave it alone, Mom said. But when she thought I couldn't hear, she whispered to him, I think it might be a pandas thing, like the cats. My mom can explain what pandas is really well. She explains it all the time to doctors and teachers. She says it's part of her job as mom to explain the disorder to people for me. Let's see. She always uses the words inflammation of the brain. I always think of a big river in my head when I hear the word inflammation. That idea kind of scares me. Apparently, it's more like a fire in my head, which makes more sense because the word flame is right there in the word inflammation. I asked her once, is my head on fire? She asked me back, well, do you smell smoke? In a joking way. I didn't say anything. Then she was kind of quiet for a bit. She looked more serious. Kind of, she said. There is an official name for pandas, but I get it wrong a lot. I think it's pediatric, autoimmune, neuro something disorder, after strep. Mom, what is my disorder called? Pediatric autoimmune neuropsychiatric disorders associated with streptococcal infections. Right. Pandas for short. Mom always talks about getting my body calmed down, and that seems a bit like what you would do with a fire. If something is on fire, you try to calm it down and put it out. Thankfully, my mom doesn't throw water or chemicals on me like you would do to a fire. But she has tried to feed me a lot of vitamins and make me take a bunch of salt baths, so I guess it's not far off. I don't know how many doctors we've seen about pandas. I think it's around 20. I'm 11 years old now, and my mom says we started trying to get a diagnosis when I was six. The thing with pandas is that most doctors don't know about it. The most we've been able to do is try to calm down the fire. We haven't got to the put it out stage. 
My mom's not sure when I started having pandas. I had strep throat when I was five years old, and then again when I was six. We think it started around that time. The doctors can't seem to agree either. I remember bits of all of the appointments that I've been to, and, of course, thinking a lot about panda bears during them. I remember the emergency room nurses that I saw when I had a rash on my whole body. This was when I was in kindergarten. That fall, I was sick a lot with a sore throat and missed a lot of school because it took a long time to get better. I also got a bad rash that got infected. It was red and hot. It started on my chest and then spread throughout my whole body, even my privates. I couldn't even walk. When my parents took me to the hospital, the nurse swabbed my rash and they found out it was a strep infection. My mom said they told her it was scarlet fever. My mom said the doctor at the hospital prescribed an antibiotic cream for the rash. She said that they never gave me oral antibiotics because they figured the strep bacteria had run its course and they didn't want to overdo it on antibiotics. Something about antibiotic resistance? I was just happy when the rash got better and I could walk again. I almost missed my fifth birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese because I was so sick. I hated that I missed a lot of school that year because I loved my teacher. I even gave her flowers at the end of the year. I first noticed the ticks a year later in grade one. It was a few days before Christmas. It was a Friday night and my mom was reading the Elf on the Shelf book to me and my sister Abby again. My sister was only two and I was six years old. We both loved that book. We had a scout elf that was in our house moving around and reporting to Santa Claus on how great we were doing before Christmas. We were both so excited that Christmas was coming in a few days. I had been sick that week with a sore throat again, and I was starting to feel better and had been back to school that day so that I could go to the Christmas party. I live in southern Ontario, Canada, near the big city of Toronto. Well, in southern Ontario, really everything is just a suburb of Toronto. Most kids where I live, especially in kindergarten and grade one, end up sick for Christmas because the weather is so cold here. Kids are sick on and off from Halloween to Easter, pretty much. I was sitting with Abby, listening to the book, and suddenly my eyes started blinking nonstop and rolling to the side. My mom noticed right away and tried to figure out what was going on. She thought maybe something was in my eye, or that I had pink eye. She kept asking if my eyes hurt. I could tell she was panicking. I couldn't control my eyes at all. They were totally doing their own thing. My mom tried to put drops in my eyes, but I'm not sure any of them made it in there. I hate eye drops. So I fought her pretty hard on those, but the blinking kept happening. Eventually, she put me to bed and said that my eyes might feel better after some rest. The next day, my eyes were a bit better in the morning, but then they started to get worse again throughout the day. It was Saturday, but my mom got me an emergency appointment with our optometrist. He said it was nothing to worry about, probably just an eye tick that was acting up because of the excitement of Christmas. 
He said ticks can come on during exciting or stressful times, but usually go away as fast as they come. I could tell my mom didn't believe him. On top of the blinking ticks, my head would sometimes roll to the side like a neck roll. I couldn't control it. It was kind of scary. I also started getting super mad sometimes. I would get angry and yell at my family. I would yell at them and say that they all hated me or that I hated them and run away to my bedroom. I would slam doors, usually my bedroom or the bathroom door, whatever seemed to get my anger out. It just seemed to come out of nowhere. We didn't know what it was from or why it was happening. I hope that you enjoyed chapter one of my book, Pendulum by S.E. German. If you would like to read more, you can easily order the book through the Friesen Press bookstore, Amazon Worldwide, Barnes & Noble, and many other online retailers worldwide. Also consider reaching out to your local library and if they don't have Pendulum, you can usually request uh, that they obtain Pendulum as a new book. And in that case, it may actually help that they'll bring it in. If you have any questions for me or feedback on Pendulum, please feel free to reach out to me at, at Sarah, S-A-R-A, Lady Gluten on Instagram or Real Life Project Co. at gmail.com. Thanks for listening this week and have a great week. I'm excited to announce that in June of 2021, I'm going to be running my first 30-day challenge for everyone that signs up for my mailing list. As you may know, I'm giving out a 30-day self-care calendar when you sign up for my mailing list. And along with that, we can then do all of those 30 ideas that are only 10 minutes long throughout the month of June. Every day, join me as I'm doing IG Lives and posting about it on my Instagram account and start building in the self-care to every day. So if you want to join me, please visit the link in the bio of my Instagram page. It's at Sarah, S-A-R-A-L-A-D-Y-G. L-U-T-E-N at Sarah Lady Gluten. Click on the link in my bio. And from there, at the bottom of that page, you can sign up for my mailing list. I tend to send emails every two weeks or so with just updates on the podcast and my writing and things that are going on. And you'll also then right away get a free 30-day self-care calendar. Join me for Self-Care June. Thank you for listening to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast. Please keep in mind this podcast is not intended to be medical or professional advice. If you are looking for that advice, please seek that out from a professional. If you'd like to hear more from me, you can visit my blog, www.theallergybeast.wordpress.com or follow me online at Sarah Lady Gluten on Instagram, S-A-R-A-L-A-D-Y-G-L-U-T-E-N, or the Facebook page, Sarah-Lady Gluten. If you do like the podcast, please consider subscribing so that you will get the podcast update every week and or reviewing the podcast on whatever platform you listen to. Thanks again and have a great week.